Welcome, everybody, to the Kona Shane Veterinary Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andy Rourke. Guys, I'm here with my friend, Dr. Catherine Ruggiero. She is a board-certified nutritionist at Hills Pet Nutrition, and uh, we are talking about her journey uh, through general practice to specialty. And there's, uh, there's a lot of people, I think, who feel stuck sometimes in their job, whether they're a veterinarian or a technician or a front desk uh, person or, or a manager. Um, I think this is a ray of hope as far as reminding us that you have options and you can go lots of places and the experiences that you have, they translate and there's an opportunity for you to grow uh, if you want to do it. I think Catherine is uh, super impressive. Uh, you're going to hear somebody who she's very uh, kind of um, laid back about it. But she takes the bull by the horns and makes her career what she wants it to be. I found that really interesting and inspiring. And I kind of pushed her into the details of who did you reach out to and what did you do and what did you say to get this opportunity? And so anyway, if you're somebody who's looking at your career and going, I wonder what it would be like to make a change one day. um, This is a great episode for you. Guys, this episode is made possible ad-free by the support of Hills Pet Nutrition. Let's get into this episode. This is your show. We're glad you're here. We want to help you in your veterinary career. Welcome to the Cone of Shame with Dr. Andy Rourke. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Catherine Ruggiero. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I am very good. I am super glad that you're here. I got, um, I've got some stuff. For those who don't know you, you are a board certified nutritionist. You are with Hills Pet Nutrition. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's it. You're, uh, you've been with them probably about four years now and just a genuinely splendid, wonderful person. And, uh, someone that I, I want to, I want to talk to you about, um, about career paths. What I want to talk about today, um, I get a lot of questions about people who are interested in doing something non-traditional with their careers. They're like, I've, I've done practice and practice isn't for me. And like, I breaks my heart, but I totally get it, you know? And, um, and some people are like, I, I'm going to leave practice for a while and maybe come back. And, and I, I, I want to talk to you one, because you, you, you are a, a veterinary specialist. And then also because you've had a sort of a non-traditional career path and done different things and, and, uh, interface with a number of other specialists who have kind of done that. And so I just kind of want to open up and talk a little bit about your story and then also kind of weave into your, your philosophy on, um, defining and redefining your career. And I think a lot of people are, are interested in that topic. And that's kind of what I want to lay down. Does that sound all right? Sounds great. Let's do it. Cool. So let's go ahead and, and start off. Um, let's do, I mean, let's, so let's start at the beginning. Why don't you go ahead and just kind of lay out the beginning part of your career? You, you're a vet nutritionist. Um, I, that was not the plan. Uh, <laughs> tell, tell me, the plan. tell me how you got that. Cause you and I have a lot in common as you and I just talked before and you talked about your career, uh, beside the whole, uh, I'm being super smart and being uh, a specialist. Uh, we don't have that in common, but, uh, <laughs> we have a lot of the other things in common. And so I want to talk about that because I think that there's some, some similarities in our career paths that, that are probably true for other people. So begin at the beginning, tell me a little bit about your career and how you got to be a nutritionist. Yeah. Um, well, I, I was not one of the, I knew I wanted to be a veterinarian when I was five or eight. Is that the average these days, I think? Um, so it took me a little while to get to that point where, where I knew veterinary medicine was where I wanted to head. So, um, so that path took me a little longer. I did a master's in between undergraduate and, and veterinary school. What'd you do? What'd you do a master's in? Molecular biology. 
I did one in zoology. I, I am I, yeah. I'm with you. Like, that's why I was like, oh, man, we have a lot of things in common. I, yeah. I also Every- did not know I wanted to be a vet. I, I wanted to be I wanted to be a human doctor. And then I got to like mm-hmm. my junior year in college and I was like volunteering at hospitals. And I was like, forget like this is not this is not what I want to yeah. do. There's people here. Goes, you go, no, no to humans. And then you go, OK, I guess yes to that. Med? That's something I had never thought about. But OK. I, so, so my wife is a college professor and she, I, I have this theory based on her interactions. I think that the fear of not knowing what you're going to do is bigger than people's fear of ending up in a job that they hate. I, I really, I, that's what I think. And I think that there is a I ton of true. people who are like, this is what I, I have to be a lawyer or I have to be a doctor. And I, I see them in, in undergrad all the time now in my, in my, in some of my wife's students and things. I'm like, this is a person who decided at age seven, they were going to go be a physician and they're not cut out for it. it. It's not what they think it is. And the fear of not knowing what they're going to do is big enough to make them overlook all the signs that they should yeah. not be here. And so I, I, I wonder how lonely we are as people who are like, I didn't know I wanted to be here. I thought it was going to be something else. And then I kind of looked around and changed paths. But I, I like to call that out. I think a lot of people are like, oh, well, you need to be called from birth to be in this profession. I was like, I love this profession. It was not plan A. Yeah. Oh, no, not at all. And, and it's true. You know, I kind of focused on like what I liked in school because I liked school. I think, you know, that that's the nerdy part is I really liked school. So I focused on what I liked in school. And then I did get to the point where you know, I'm getting towards the end of my undergraduate career. I kind of have to take these skills that I've accumulated through, you know, my transcript and apply it somewhere. And human medicine made a lot of sense. But I had a, a great mentor who said, what about vet med? And I said, I've, you know, have dogs. I grew up with dogs in my household that I never really, I guess. Yeah, we could look into that. Um, so I took some time right after undergrad to to work in, in a few vet practices. And um, I think unexpectedly, I decided I didn't want to go to vet school after that, which says nothing about the veterinarians I worked with. Um, I think it says something maybe about the clientele I was interacting with as a vet assistant. Gotcha. Um, but that's, that's when I decided, well, I'll go to grad school. Again, I like school. We'll, we'll spend some more time in school. Um, but that's when I really decided when I was when I was in graduate school and kind of thinking, okay, where am I going to be long term? That veterinary medicine checked all the boxes, just maybe not in the way that I thought that they would. Uh, so yeah, so I applied to vet school while I was finishing up my master's, um, which ended up working out nicely. The master's, I think, helped me helped me get into some good programs uh, oh, yeah. and helped with my application process. Plus, I'd already learned what it was like to get a C in something because graduate level <laughs> molecular biology courses yeah. kind of you'll it's that, not the first uh first time that yeah that that box had been like that that perfect piece of glass had been shattered already yeah um so yeah. T- t- tell me tell me a little bit about the thought process when you're like no i don't want to do that okay i'll do that like what 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 is the thing that swings you back when you're um when you've decided that that you didn't want to do it before how, how did that process come around yeah, well, I, you know, I think what I loved and, and what I'd done in undergraduate, you know, school and, and what my mentor saw in me was I really liked the science. I'm, yeah. I'm definitely a science nerd. I like the biology. I like the problem solving of medicine. And of course, when you are just entering the veterinary 
you know, world as a receptionist and client services representative and vet assistant, which is what I was doing. You're not actually doing that part of vet med. Um, yeah. You're doing a lot I, of the problem solving, the troubleshooting, the selling, you know, that a big part of what I did was going at the end of the appointment and, and really try to, you know, sell products that I didn't understand why I was selling them. So right. um, I didn't, I didn't like that part of it. I felt like I saw really the the money side of the business and not that the veterinarians I was working with were making a ton of money. Um, but I saw this, this kind of culture of we need to sell things. We need to make money in this profession, which I now completely respect and encourage. Um, but I didn't have the knowledge base to kind of see where that was coming from. And I didn't get to see the cool stuff that was happening to get to the point where you sell the ear ointment. Um, I just knew we were selling a lot of ear ointment. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like the why was missing, right? You're like you were in there and they're like, "Hey, yeah. you need you need to send this flea and tick prevention home because money." Yeah, and like that's not a rewarding, fulfilling <laughs> thing at all. The truth is, the people who were behind the scenes had good good reason for doing this, and they probably were very they in their minds the why was very clear, but but it wasn't coming down to you, and you didn't have that that background understanding. I I, I think a lot of people yeah. I think a lot of people wrestle with that. I'll also tell you this. Um, you know, I look around at how busy practices and stuff are. And as a business owner, it is really easy sometimes to look at the bills that are due and payroll and trying to pay people what they're worth and to go, oh, crap, we have got to make money. And then to talk to your staff and be like, guys, we've got to make this money. And the staff is like, wait a mm -hmm. second, like, this feels like a real focus on money. And that's, that's not probably what, that's not what you wanted it to be. But I, I'm just, yeah, I am very, uh, empathetic now to business owners that are feeling stressed because I've been through that period of being like, oh crap, where's payroll going to come from? Um, and, and it's, it's, yeah. I can hundred percent see how that communication can happen. And, and it's understandable. It's still really sad. Yeah. And I mean, I think once I, 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 you know, tried on a few practices and, and, uh, found, found one mentor who I, I still talk to today, who's a veterinarian who, who really did and found out, you know, this wasn't my summer job. I wasn't there to clean kennels. I really, I wanted to go to veterinary school. And so when there was time in those busy days, we had a big whiteboard in the back and, and he would take me back and say like, let's draw through this disease process. Let's talk through what this test means. And, and really did uh, put in a lot of time uh, to try to get me excited about the part that I, I should have been excited about. Um, but I, I pretty quickly was like, you yeah, know, I don't think this is, this is not for me. I just don't. And I was surrounded by a lot of people who weren't really enjoying it. Um, yeah, so I went and I, I said, let's go back to school and, and figure it out. And really, it was once I was in school that I was like, no, it's the medicine that excites gotcha. me. That's the fun part. Um, you know, not the test development, not the biomedical sciences portion of things, which is so important for both the human and veterinary side. But it's the, the medicine, the problem solving and the client interaction. It's the talking to pet owners part that I actually really missed. Um, which I wouldn't have known if I, if I didn't leave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you don't know, don't, don't wise man once said, don't know what you got till it's gone. Uh, that's, yes. that's, that's where that is. So you went to, you went to Mizzou and like, like me, you, you fell in love with the VBMA and the business side, it sounds like. So tell me, tell me about that. And then, and then let's talk about going into practice. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, well, I really enjoyed that. I mean, I really enjoy school. So I really, I did enjoy that school and really enjoyed being in like every club I could find the time to be in. But VBMA was especially uh, a passion. And I got to be on, on the executive board at Mizzou while, 
I was there at, uh, during my time as a student. So, um, but, but I kind of thought, oh, this is where, this is where you, you shine. This is where like the pinnacle, you know, I'm going to be in school, but then I'm going to stop being in school. What am I going to do after school? I need to keep working towards something that something is practice ownership that yeah. that is going to be a constant, like ladder climbing kind of thing. I, always a new challenge. Like that's going to be the, the path for me. And so I was definitely small animal, always small animal focused. Um, but that, you know, VBMA really reinforced that this is the way, this is the way I'm going to get a good quality of life out of this profession. This is how I'm going to, you know, touch the most lives, touch the most animals. Um, this is how I'm going to build something, build a legacy is with practice ownership. So that's really when I graduated, how, how I headed out the door was looking for a practice that assuming probably wouldn't be my first practice that I landed in, but a practice where eventually ownership was going to be on the table or I could, you know, head out on my own and, and start something. Okay. So this is where I want to start to dig in a little bit because this is, I, I think up to this point, I think we, we've been through a career that's, that's a lot like other people's that have. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of want to walk with you a little bit through this part right here. So you've graduated from vet school and you've gone into general practice. And I really like the idea of practice ownership as the ladder climbing, because that was 100% it for me as well. Like I need to be going somewhere and feel like I'm working on something. And I think a lot of us coming through vet school have always had the next achievement. Yeah. And so that was that was a big part for me as well. And so I want to I want to talk to you because I think this is going to resonate with a lot of people. Talk to me a little bit about your experience in practice and the abandonment of that plan. What happened? <laughs> yeah, because I think a lot of people are here right now and they're going, huh, yeah. maybe this isn't what I thought it was going to be or what I always had planned on is not coming together the way that I wanted. And to my point at the beginning, I think uncertainty is really scary. And so what I really want to do with you is, is unpack this journey a bit because I think a lot of times hearing other people's other people's paths makes makes the unknown feel a bit less scary. And so, yeah, can you just start to unpack that for me and let's walk together? Yeah. Um, well, I will say, first of all, that I I had the dream practice. I, I mean, especially coming right out of veterinary school, it was a six-doctor small animal practice with the most fantastic practice owners who were interested in eventually selling and eventually selling to me. Um, I had other associates at that practice that were extremely collaborative and supportive and helped train me. I had technicians who had been in the field for 20, 30 years. I think I learned more about vet med from my technicians in the first two weeks of practice than I did probably in six months of clinics. Um, And amazing, amazing support staff um, and really great clients. So it's it's hard sometimes I'll talk to, to friends who are are in situations and I, I really I hit the jackpot um, of jobs, especially right out of vet school. Um, and the mentorship I had was just so, so great. If I didn't feel comfortable with something, one of my, you know, one of the owners or the associates was there. People would look at x-rays with me, you know, from day one all the way to, you know, three years in, um, you know, I had that, this really great collaborative environment and, you know, the first year or so I, it was stressful and I was, yeah, it's stressful. That might be stressful. Any new job is stressful. Um, it was stressful, but I had a lot of great support. And I said, well, I think I just, you know, I need to get used to it. I need to get my feet wet. I don't love surgery. I don't love this. I don't love that. But I knew I'm a baby vet. I got to get settled, kind of got to keep, just keep working on it. And so, you know, my second year, I'm like, okay, it's not my first year anymore. I'm still mm-hmm. a baby vet. 
maybe I really need to, you know, I'm not really loving every single day of this. And I, w- I was working in a practice with such passionate people. So the associate veterinarians there, they did love it. I mean, everyone has hard days and there are hard clients and there are hard cases, but they loved it. I mean, they came to work every day, just enamored with, with their job. Um, and I was like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not there yet. You know, maybe I, I need to figure out how to get there. So again, I had a very, very supportive practice that kind of said, well, let's kind of narrow down what you're passionate about and, and we'll, we'll steer you in that direction. We've got six doctors. Everyone can have their little niche of what they like to do. And, and so I really liked nutrition. I'd liked it in vet school. Um, I also really liked ophthalmology. And so I kind of became one of the nutrition or the eye people, you know, if a new, especially a new client came in or a client that had an issue and really wants to talk deeply about one of those topics, they would get funneled to me, which was fantastic. I mean, it really let me do the things I, I wanted to do. I still was doing the things that, you know, you've got to do, but don't always want to do, but that's life. Um, so I, I had, you know, great support there and, and was developing a really wonderful clientele and was talking about nutrition a lot and uh, was get, kind of training technicians on nutrition and my support staff on nutrition. Um, and then kind of in the third year, I like, I still, you know, it's great. Uh, I'm glad I'm doing this, but I just, I, don't, I just don't think I like this. And it's such a scary thing. Um, because I was just starting to get into the conversations, you know, going to the meetings with, with the practice owners on, you know, how does one acquire a loan to yeah. purchase a practice? And what is the 10, 15 year plan? doing that look like and I just said I don't I don't think I can do this for another 10 or 15 years and if I am going to be a practice owner the only way I can imagine doing this is if I'm not practicing if I'm just a practice owner and that's not what I wanted to do Um, and it's not the culture of the clinic that I was at either I mean it was one where the owners were very much involved and were primary clinicians on the floor all the time so it was, it just was, it wasn't a good fit. I look at practice ownership as like a 10 year deal. Like, like if, if you're in it, if you're going to do it, and this is a, just a sloppy rule of thumb, but like, if you're going to do it, plan, plan on it being 10 years of you being in, involved in this thing. So there's not like, let's try it out for a year. Like it's, it's a, it's, it's a commitment. All right. So when you're having yeah. these thoughts at year three and you're like, no, nah, I don't know if I'm really yeah. liking this. When did you <laughs> recognize that might be a problem? Everybody has those fleeting thoughts of like, it was a bad day or man, I'm really tired. Was there something that you can point to? You're like, this is when I was like, oh, I'm not sure I want to keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I don't know that there was one particular, you know, thing or incident or case or anything like that, but I, I felt myself becoming less confident in my skills, even though I was working a lot oh. and I had successful cases, I was becoming less confident in my skills and more anxious about some of the day-to-day parts of veterinary medicine. And, and I couldn't really figure out why, you know, I was, I was doing well. My bosses said, you're doing well. I was, I was making money. I had really loyal clients. Um, the support staff was saying like, you're awesome. You're doing great. But I, there was something about it where I just, I, I didn't feel like I was doing a good job. And I, I think, you know, there's the, the, the jack of all trades, master of none idea. I don't totally agree with that because I think, think there are plenty of general practitioners I've worked with them who are masters of everything. Sure. Um, there are just people who can be that oh, yeah. way. But I think I started to realize, you know, I really, I think just the way that my brain works, I like to focus. I like to focus on something small or a few small things. You know, when my day would work out that it was all derm patients, I was in heaven, but you'd throw, 
you know, one limping dog in there and suddenly I, the day was very stressful. So, um, I, I didn't, I didn't like the variety, which is the thing I thought I'd love about general practice. Um, I didn't like the pivoting from the puppy appointment to the euthanasia, um, which is something I thought I was actually fairly good at, but it, it came with a lot of anxiety for me. And it was just, you know, when I was in practice, it was just around the time that not one more vet was starting up. And so, you know, I was, I felt grateful that there was this community of other people who were really anxious. <laughs> they were really anxious <laughs> about veterinary medicine. They were really anxious about their clients and their patients. Um, and I wasn't alone in that, but it also was this idea that, that maybe that's what it is. And you kind of just have to tough through it and deal with it. Um, and I didn't like that option. <laughs> so yeah. I had changed things a few times. I'd changed the course a few times and, and I'd gone back to school a few times. And I knew that was totally possible. So it's around then that I started thinking like, well, what, what do I like? What, you know, if I could have a day full of patients, just talking to clients about X, what would it be? And nutrition came right to the top of that list. And then I said, well, could I go back to school? Cause I like school and just focus on nutrition. And yeah, turns out that's totally doable, which I had okay. never thought like of going back after being in practice, going back to, to the university. I, I remember being in vet school. This is maybe something that's screwed me up for life. But uh, I remember being in vet school and I was I was involved in a conversation I shouldn't have been involved in where there was like clinicians that were talking about like behind the scenes residency stuff. And I was just standing there and I was I was uncharacteristically quiet, I guess, at the moment. And I remember one of the applicants had been in, in general practice for a couple of years and the other applicants had come straight out of internship programs. And one of the current residents was like, why are we looking at this person? Like they're, like they're in general practice. <laughs> they haven't been doing this, you know? And like she blew, blew them off. And, and it looked to me, and I wasn't there uh, beyond that. It looked to me like that guy's chances were tanked. And, you know, in, after this yeah. conversation, and I, I have never forgotten. And I remember being angry. I remember being like, yeah. why, why is it that if you make this choice and you go into general practice, that you're, you're not, there's no path back? Like, and the person who's been in general practice, you don't know him. He may have more experience uh, than than the person who did a one year residency, regardless of where they did it. You know, and and yeah. I, that was one conversation, but I've never forgotten it, and it's always bothered me. Tell tell me a bit about about that transition back, where you you are in GP. You're not coming out of you know some big New York uh, inter ex, uh, internship program, or you know out of out of some academic program somewhere. Uh, help me see the light there. What does that What does that even look like to to try to go back? Yeah, I mean, I'll say first of all, like it is. It's hard if you're considering it because you've been out in the world making money. Yes, so that makes sense. Um, you know, interns don't know when they go into a residency. It looks like a little pay bump. They don't know. They've <laughs> been eating ramen the whole time. <laughs> I had gotten used to a nice bottle of wine and going out to dinner and, yeah. you know, having a lifestyle of a professional, you know, person. And so I will say for me, that was actually one of the really hard things. And I think for people who maybe start to go down that step, when you look at what a resident salary is, you go, oh, well, do I, do I really want to do that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a finite amount of time, but it, it's a, it's a, thing when you've been out in the world working and working independently. Um, because even though I had fantastic mentorship, I was, I was doing it my own thing, you know, and, mm -hmm. 
so the idea of the pay cut with the intense supervision when you've been an independent money making adult um, is kind of is kind of challenging. Um, I think also there are it depends on the program, right? There are programs where they really would prefer that you're in one or two or three different internships before you show up uh, in a residency. And I won't say that for all of them, but I think there is a protectiveness in academia that they they like to train people a certain way, right? And mm-hmm. you learn you learn to go rogue when you're in practice. Yeah. I mean, you, you I learned on the streets. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and nutrition is one of those specialties where that the street smarts uh, from being in general practice actually are, are really highly valued because it's those communication skills. It's being able to talk to to owners and and kind of relate to owners. That's a skill I think you really can build the most successfully in private practice or in general huh. practice. Um, and it's a skill that is, you need. You got, you've got to get reps, right? Like it's, it's a, it's a yeah. skill that you've got to get reps in. And in general practice, you're talking to client after client after client after client. And so that, that yeah. I love that you've put it that way. Like really taking a moment and looking at what are the strengths that I've built here uh, that I would take back to this program. That, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I, I mean, I really liked talking about nutrition. I wanted to build my, you know, knowledge base. I did a lot of CE in, you know, nutrition focused CE when I was in practice, but, but I liked that. I knew I liked that part of it. Um, and I, I did have tons of experience talking to people, whether they wanted to talk about nutrition or not, <laughs> we were talking <laughs> about it. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's actually, I think a skill that, that general practice experience is a skill that is undervalued in a lot of, residency training programs. Nutrition is one where I'd say it's a little bit more common uh, to have people out in general practice or maybe doing emergency medicine for a few years and then going back and doing a residency because you do get, you build those communication chops. Not to say you can't come right from an internship, but but yeah, I don't know if, if, if I'd gone into an internship first, if I would have fallen in love with nutrition the way I fell in love with it in practice. It's, it's kind of, sometimes it's finding that path and like as opposed to I, I think that there's a huge amount of pressure that's put on young people to know what they want to be. And that just to me has always seemed like kind of ridiculousness. I, I have never had clarity on what I wanted until I got into it and, and, and did it, did it for a while. And so I, I really like this idea that you go out and practice and you figure out what you like. I, I, I really like a lot. And I, I was stepping back for a second, but the idea that you were like, I like eyes and nutrition and that's what I like. I, I, I really preach that a lot when I talk to, to veterinarians and, and also support staff is like, figure out, and this is simple, but I tell you, my best career advice that I try to give everyone is figure out what you like doing and figure out how to do more of that and figure out what you don't yeah. like doing and figure out how to do less of that. And and when you talked about like, oh, I you know I stepped in, I really wanted to do eyes and nutrition and, pe- and my staff knew that and I got the chance to do that and to train in that. Can you tell me a little bit kind of about like what that looked like? Because that's, to me, that's the quintessential self-created career growth yeah. path. Like, I, I love that you did that. What did that look like? Um, I mean, it, it really started by looking, you know, as a six doctor practice at, at what niche needed to be filled, right? So I, I wasn't gonna, I didn't like surgery anyway, but there was doctor, a couple doctors who really loved surgery. That would have been a hard one for me to be like, I love surgery too. And I'm the new vet, like, let me, let me in. Um, so part of it was also looking at the, the, you know, the need that needed to be filled in the, in, from the practice standpoint. Um, but the other part of it was the stuff that, you know, I, I, by the time I was doing that, I kind of had had a year to, to play around with things. And there were, I don't want to say they were weaknesses in the practice. That's not 
a fair thing to say, but sure. but they were gaps that weren't being filled. Sure. Um, like it. Where it was a lot of those conversations were getting deferred or those people were getting referred out to specialists. And by all means, refer to an ophthalmologist. But I ended up saying, well, maybe some of these I can deal with while they're waiting to get to the ophthalmologist. So I, you know, again, I had very, very encouraging management who said, reach out to the local ophthalmologists, go visit them, see if you can learn from them, go to CE, we'll pay for you to go to CE and learn more about eyes and nutrition. Um, And they did, I did a lot of, you know, extra CE in those areas. I connected a lot with the specialists. We didn't have any nutritionists in the area, but we had fantastic ophthalmologists who let me come and bother them and, and follow them around. Tell, tell me what that looked like, because I, I, I've heard of other people doing that, and I'm pretty darn extroverted. I like making friends. I yeah. still have, uh, my hands are sweating now, like imagining <laughs> going to the specialty hospital, like, hey, can you show me what you do? Like, I, yeah. yeah. How did you, how did you even present that idea to them? And what was the, what was the reaction? Yeah. I mean, I think, we, my practice had a, a great relationship with local specialists. I mean, when I was looking for jobs, I was trying to find that sweet spot between you don't refer everything, but you're not afraid to refer mm-hmm. something. Um, that's, that's what I was looking for. And that's the hospital that I was in. Um, so it, it somewhat naturally developed this relationship between me and, and at the beginning, there was one ophthalmologist, another ophthalmologist joined the specialty practice that was available locally. Um, but I was, I was sending her cases. So, we were talking a lot, you know, we were talking on the phone and then it was, well, here's my cell phone number. Send me pictures of these eyes that you're rechecking. Um, and then it was, oh, well, this one's coming in for a recheck next week. I kind of want to see what you do with it. Um, and, and the invitation was come on down. So I think I was lucky in that I, I was working with very approachable people who had a long wait list and were excited by the idea that, a general practitioner would maybe take some of those rechecks and do things the way they wanted it done <laughs> um, and consult with them and let them know, hey, this is the progress I'm seeing. Should we throw in this extra med? And they could say yes without needing to you know, fit in another emergency. So it was a really nice reciprocal relationship. Um, but I, I had very open specialists. Then I, again, I had owner practice owners who were very encouraging of me picking up that that niche um, in the practice. So that's, that's awesome. I really like that. So so now that you've, you've gone through your residency, you've been in practice for, for three, four years now, uh, working as a nutritionist. Um, Is there anything you do differently? Or do you have advice for people who have an area, whether they're a doctor or or a a technician or, or, uh, or or a manager or anything like that? If you have people who have an area of special expertise, whether it's nutrition or, or something else, like, what would you say to those people? Is there anything uh, that you would put forward as, as advice for them? I, I guess just that, like, you can. <laughs> I think that we get told that so much in vet school, right? When you start vet school, you get told the two things, that it's a small community and everyone knows each other, which is true, and that you can do whatever you want with this degree. Like, there's just, there's so many paths, which is also true. You can't end up forgetting that we know each other because once you start getting out there too and going to conferences, you realize, yeah, we really all do know each other. Um, but I think we do forget the, you know, you could do whatever you want with this. Um, and I, I, you know, I was not happy in practice. I was not the best version of myself. I mean, I feel like I was a decent veterinarian, but I was not the best veterinarian that I could be. And and I, I really wasn't that happy. And it was really scary to admit that 
and then say, I'm not just going to grit my teeth and get through it because that's how you get through that school. That's how you, you know, you get through everything is it's just, you're just going to put your head down and get through it. Um, and, and I, I don't know the moment or the magic. There was nothing that happened where I said, well, maybe I don't need to, but I, I, I was probably in that position where I said, do I want to leave the profession? Um, I knew I didn't want to leave my practice because I was in the dream practice. Mm -hmm. So there was no grasses greener practice out there for me. I knew how lucky I was there. Um, but the fact that I still was not really happy made me think this is not a, this is not, I just need to keep trying different things. This is like, maybe I'll just, I need to make a change. Um, and I didn't want to leave vet med. It took me a while to get there. Didn't want to, didn't want to abandon veterinary medicine, but you start thinking of all those people at orientation who said, you can do whatever you want with your veterinary medicine degree. And once you start looking, it's, it's really true. You can, there's so, so many options. So, and I knew I liked school. So that, that helps. If you like school, you can be in school forever. It's not the <laughs> most school. lucrative choice. Yeah. Um, but you can yeah. Be in school. yeah. They look, well, maybe they turn you away eventually, but they haven't turned me away yet. But, um, <laughs> but you know, you can, you, and, and I really like that part of, of, veterinary medicines, there's always more to learn and there's always more to do. So if somebody came up to you and they said, I'm thinking about making a change kind of like you did, do you have any resources for me? How do I get started? Where would you point them? For me, I started reaching out to, you know, I decided that I thought I, I think I want to leave general practice and I think I want to specialize. That, that, had, that decision was sort of made. So once I had that decision made, I started reaching out to specialists that I knew from when I was in, in university and when I was in vet school. And it's amazing how people will remember you um, and how professors will remember you. So I reached out to the nutritionists that I knew. Um, I also reached out to the ophthalmologists that I knew and said, hey, I'm kind of tinkering with this idea of going back and, and specializing. And, you know, once you say that to especially a specialist, I mean, they get super excited, right? Now you're talking about wanting to do the thing that they love. So um, then you get a lot of support, a lot of resources. What can we do? Here's how we can do it. Here's how the pathway looks. Like you don't have to figure it out on your own at that point because they've been through it. They've been through the residency program. What maybe is a little bit unique um, for some specialists is trying to guide you through that program when you're coming from practice. Um, and there are certainly some programs where you're, probably going to need to do an internship or something like that before you get into a residency program. But that's stuff that you don't necessarily have to figure out on your own. I remember sitting on the computer trying to figure out like, what is the match? And how does the match work? Because I was never going to specialize. I was never going to do mm -hmm. an internship or a residency before. Um, and I realized, well, this is stupid. I, I'm talking to people who've done this. Let me just ask them, <laughs> ask them what the match is and how I do it. Um, and, you know, again, it's pe all people have been through that portion of things. But I think we build a lot of resources even in school that, that we forget about. And I was lucky enough to go back to where I went to vet school to do my residency. And uh, it was such great fun to to see all these people again who you're like, no one's going to remember me. I was a little vet student. I wasn't going to specialize. I wasn't, you know, I was going to go into general practice. No one's going to remember me except maybe the people in community practice. Um, but no, it's it's not like that. There there really is, I think, a profound investment that faculty at most, I guess I can just speak from the zoo, but I will say I think most institutions are that way where they really have invested in you. Um, and so you can reach back out. You paid a lot of money. You can reach back out to go <laughs> to ask them for advice, even though you're not a student anymore. 
Dr. Catherine Ruggiero, thank you so much for being here. Where can people find you online? Uh, where can they Where can they follow you? Where they gonna, Where can they uh, hear what you're up to? I'm a little bit of a shadow. I don't have a huge online presence, um, but I'm on LinkedIn. So find me on LinkedIn. That's probably the only thing that's up to date. I love so. it. I'm a shadow. I am. Yeah. I'm lurk. I, you're, you're, what I hear is you lurk on social media. That's what I hear. I, oh, show. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. All right, everybody. Take care of yourselves. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Bye. And that is our episode, guys. That's what I got for you. I hope you enjoyed it. Special shout out to Catherine. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks to Hills Pet Nutrition for making this episode possible. Gang, take care of yourselves. Be well. Talk to you next time. Bye.